Hello, welcome to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Here you will find cutting-edge information provided by the best experts in the world so you can learn how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Bruno de Gama is the Brazilian Health Nut in a mission to solve the problems you have when trying to lose weight forever. He is a nutritional therapy practitioner, a certified personal trainer, and a holistic lifestyle coach by the Czech Institute. Don't forget to say hello and sign up to our free newsletter at www.brazilianhealthnet.com. Let's go. All right, thank you so much for being here, uh, Lauren. I appreciate your time. Uh, for people who don't know you, can you tell a little bit about your background and who is Dr. Lauren Noel? Sure, I'd be happy to. It's so great to be on your podcast, Bruno. It's uh, it's you know, it's kind of surreal that we got to meet a while back, and I know that was something you what you were wanting to do. So it's really amazing that this is now a reality. So just wanted to say that that's awesome. It's very very cool to reach people all over the world. Um, yes. So yeah, so for a little bit about me, I, I'm a naturopathic doctor. My training is. Uh, both in Western medicine and Eastern medicine, um, you know, kind of more conventional and holistic. So my training is similar to a medical doctor, but I, I also am trained in things like nutrition, um, you know, herbal medicine, spinal manipulation, like doing, um, you know, kind of like sort of chiropractic type of techniques and um, lifestyle stuff, homeopathy, pretty much I have a lot of tools in my belt. And, um, and really my passion is helping people to understand their bodies a lot more, really understand the root of what's going on with their health issues and, um, you know, and empowering people to turn their, to turn their health around their lives around. And I came to this form of medicine from my own pain and suffering back in the day, back in high school, I was, um, a patient at Kaiser and, um, not knocking on Kaiser. There's some great doctors at Kaiser, but didn't have the best experience for myself. And, uh, you know, had like the typical seven minute visits with my doctor and really just wasn't getting answers for things like debilitating acne. And, uh, you know, I remember just feeling so depressed in high school. I was 30 pounds heavier. I was cold. I was anxious. I was getting poor sleep and I just mm -hmm. had all kinds of digestive issues. And I remember going to my doctor mostly for acne, because as a teenager, that's the most uncomfortable and embarrassing part of, of those symptoms. You know, the rest of it I could hide, but I couldn't hide what was going on on my face besides with just a little bit of makeup. But it was really difficult. And I remember asking my doctor, what can I eat that will help my skin? Are there certain foods that I should avoid? And I'll never forget this doctor saying, there's absolutely no connection between your diet and your skin. Doesn't make a difference. Mm. And I knew in that moment, I was like 16 years old, but I knew that wasn't right. I knew that there was something not right about that. And it sparked something in me that made me want to look for other answers. And so fast forward, I ended up seeing a naturopathic doctor for myself. And this was in Denver. And she's actually still my doctor to this day. Um, and she helped me to turn my health around. And she never once treated my skin directly. She actually did it from the inside out by treating my digestive system, by helping to clean up my diet. Uh, by right. helping to balance out my hormones, which we're going to talk more about today. So it really does start by looking within the body to see what's ha happening because things like acne or different symptoms like depression or anxiety, these are just symptoms of something deeper. And so, you know, working with someone that sees the body as a whole is so crucial. So that was, uh, you know, part of the journey for me. And then I, I decided to go into naturopathic school and learn it for myself. I honestly, I didn't 
really ever see myself as a doctor. I just wanted to learn all this stuff for me. I wanted to know it for, for, for me, for my future family, for future kids. Like I wanted to be able to protect my family from ever having to go through that experience again. And it just so happened mm-hmm. that, you know, now I have a practice, I get to do this with patients and I feel so lucky that I'm able to, um, you know, help save them from going through what I went through. And or even if people have already gone through it, at least there's the body is resilient and it heals when you give it what it needs. And so that's why I'm so mm-hmm. passionate about it. Yeah, amazing that you can do this for yourself and now you can help more people to achieve the same thing that you have in your life right now. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about hormones, like you said before. But before that, let's uh, define what's the biggest difference uh, between like a medical doctor and a naturopath doctor? Yeah. So, I mean, our, our, our first couple years of training is pretty similar. We take all the same types of courses like physiology, anatomy, uh, you know, biochemistry, even things like gynecology and proctology. So even as a naturopathic doctor, we're trained at things like, you know, doing pap smears and doing prostate exams and all that stuff, you know, breast exams, like we're trained in all that kind of stuff. Um, and then also in our second couple years of school, we, we do differ quite a bit in that we'll add in more things like nutritional, you know, medicine and um, homeopathy, botanical medicine, um, for myself, I did a, an extra few rotations in herbal medicine, also in um, naturopathic cardiology. So I got to work in a cardiology clinic and, uh, you know, doing EKGs and stress tests and echocardiograms and that kind of stuff to um, heal the heart using using naturopathic treatments. Um, but really, the real difference is the philosophy. So from a naturopathic doctor's perspective, it's really about getting to the root cause and also seeing that the body is really designed to heal. So it's about supporting the body and moving towards health rather than just treating symptoms. You know, So for example, let's say someone comes into my office and they have raging headaches. Yes, I want to help with pain relief for them. I may give them something to help heal the headaches, but we're going to look to the root and see why they have it. Or if someone is having you know, maybe anxiety or maybe they're having some joint pain. Um, I know that joint pain underneath that is inflammation. So is it maybe rheumatoid arthritis? Is it maybe... Um, you know, nutrient deficiencies, do they have a deficiency in maybe essential fatty acids like omega-3 fats? So it's more to, okay, let's just rub, uh, you know, a gel or ointment on that shoulder. Let's actually look under the hood and see what's going on. So that's what I see as the big difference. And then also too, we spend a lot of time with patients. So my typical visit with the patient is an hour, which is pretty much unheard of in medicine to spend that much time with the patient. But it is so common that someone will come in to see me and after maybe 40 or 45 minutes, they'll say, Oh, you know what, by the way, this one thing happened when I was six years old, and it can totally change the whole course of of the appointment, because it's like, Oh, wow, that's, that's a big part of their health history. And if you're, you know, with the doctor for seven minutes, there's no way you're going to get that information out there. So, uh, so just about spending that time with people. And then the the whole philosophy is, is quite different. And there are a lot of medical doctors who are really frustrated with medicine and they're changing the way that they work with patients now because they're seeing that their patients aren't getting better and they want to be able to spend more time with people. And um, so I think the whole model is, is changing. Yeah, it is for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for this explanation. And today, like we talked before, the topic of today, guys, it's horm- hormones. So we're going to be talking really everything that you need to know. And to start, let's start by defining what exactly is a hormone. Yeah, so a hormone, it is... I think of this as a messenger. It's like a text message or or different maybe letters back in the day when we used to write letters to each other. Uh, So it's messages that are sent throughout the body that are designed to come with a message of to do something. So um, there's different types of hormones. There's ones that are that are delivered, you know, to the cells next door to them. There's ones that are delivered across the body. Um, and so they all have different jobs and your hormones determine 
pretty much everything. They determine how you think, how you feel. They determine how you see yourself. They determine how your metabolism works. If you tend to put on fat, if you tend to uh, burn fat, they mm-hmm. determine how your menstrual cycles go, how you know your ability to hold on to muscle mass. Pretty much everything in the body, it, it comes down to your hormones. They're really essential mm-hmm. and critical for your body to work in a, in a healthy balance. And uh, you know, and, and it's more than just let's lather on this cream for a hormone. Let's actually got to get underneath all of that and see, you know, what is it that makes hormones work? Yeah. I, I remember when I was in school, Nutritional Therapy Association, and one of the leaders said that on a, one of our videos, like we see the world through the lens of our hormones. And it that is always got stuck absolutely i love that it's like it's like your your glasses the lenses you look through are your lenses from your of your hormones and for any anyone listening who's dealt with hormone issues they will know what that feels like when you have a hormone problem i mean i have it so often when patients come in they say bless my husband's heart he's the most wonderful guy but i'm so mean to him i don't know why you know (laughs) i i have i used to be this horny little woman and i have no sex drive and it's like they just feel powerless because their hormones are out of balance and they just know it's just not them. It's real common that a patient will say, I just don't feel like myself. I don't know where I am. And then we get those things balanced out and it's like, I just feel like I'm myself again. So yeah, it, it really does determine a lot how you see the world, how you feel about yourself. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So what about uh, weight loss? Uh, a lot of people who are listening right now, they are trying to lose weight, trying to get some more energy, right? Mm-hmm. And still, uh, I talk to a lot of people and a lot of people talk, talk to me, oh, I just, I just going to reduce my calories and just uh, start to exercise more to lose weight. Yeah. And, and then I, I, I want to have a conversation, like a deeper conversation with this person. So what's mm-hmm. like exactly the, the role of hormones on the weight loss process? Weight loss is, uh, hormones are everything when it comes to weight loss. So like you're saying, like the whole exercise more, eat less, that can work for a short period of time, but it actually negatively affects your hormones for the long run. Because what happens is we genetically are designed to make sure we have enough fuel for our bodies. And so if you're going into this state of, of, uh, of, deprivation. of deprivation, your body's going to go, oh, okay, this is famine. I'm going to hold on to as much fat as possible because likely we're going to, you're going into famine. We're not going to have food for a while. I mean, genetically, we're the same as our caveman ancestors, you know? So, um, our, our bodies internally in terms of our genetics are the same, but our, our environment is very different now. And so if you really want to get back to the way your body is designed to operate, it's all about considering those natural elements and, and, you know, some of these adaptations that, that we've evolved to have. So Mm -hmm. when it comes to weight loss, it's really about mastering your hormones. It's not about calories in calories out. And so, you know, that comes down to a few important ones. I know we'll talk about specific hormones, but mastering a few key specific hormones can really make a big difference. Um, you know, I know, we'll, I know we'll talk about diet in a little bit, but just I want you guys to really understand that it, when it comes to weight loss, it is not about calories in, calories out. Calories do matter to a, a, a little bit of an extent, but for myself, I, you know, body-wise, I'm more fit than I've been probably ever, I will say. And I never look at calories. I never count calories. I used to count calories all the time. And now it's about eyeing my plate and knowing what kinds of foods are going to, to help to master my hormones and my blood sugar. And it just makes it so much easier and so much more fun too, to not have to be yes. a slave to, to your, you know, to your diet. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Who wants to be counting calories to be healthy, right? We want to live our lives and enjoy food as well. Yes. And they the weight loss is going to be just a natural process of being healthy. Mm-hmm. That's uh, and you want to have long-term results. That's uh, that's my message here. It's always like achieving long-term results, like long-term health, right? Exactly. So, 
Yeah, what are the hormones we should be paying close attention to, the main ones, uh, especially for losing weight? Well, for the ones for women in particular, because I'm sure maybe the majority of your listeners are women, but we'll talk about men too. I think of, for women, it's, it's, it comes down to estrogen, it comes down to the thyroid, as well as cortisol. So those are really three very important hormones when it comes to weight loss. And um, the first one I'll focus on is cortisol. Cortisol, okay. I think in... Uh, at least in the paleo world, it's you know common um, kind of circle that that I know I'm in, and my podcast. A lot of people listen to it from the paleo community. Cortisol is has gotten to be a, a bit of a buzzword, and it tends to be seen as a bad thing. Cortisol, you have to have cortisol to be alive. If you don't, you wouldn't live. So you need mm. cortisol, and cortisol is actually anti-inflammatory. So it helps to you know bring down the fire that's in the body when there's inflammation. So cortisol is a really good thing, but unfortunately. In an American lifestyle, it's a very inflammatory type of life. You know, the different things we're exposed to in our environment, the types of foods that we eat, the lack of sleep, the the high stress, all of these things create a state of inflammation. And so when that inflammation is high, like this fire that's going on in the body, your body makes more cortisol as a way to bring down that fire to kind of dampen that flame. But unfortunately, what also comes along with cortisol is when you have high cortisol, it makes your liver dump out blood sugar to give you that energy. So it's almost like eating a candy bar. And then your pancreas secretes insulin, which is that uh, hormone that helps to bring in the blood sugar into the cells because you don't want sugar circulating in your body. You want to have it into the cells because it's not safe to have you know, sugar circulating like that. It's actually very inflammatory. So that's a normal process your body does. But when that happens on a regular basis, you end up, it's almost like this high stress. It's like you're eating, like eating a candy bar and you didn't even eat anything. So mm-hmm. that's where, you know, you can have the perfect diet, but if you're having all kinds of stress in your life and getting those spikes of, of cortisol, that's going to, it's like putting a lock on your fat cells. You just cannot burn those things. And that's a key. If, if, you know, anyone listening has that kind of spot, uh, that spare tire around the midsection and you just feel like, you know, maybe you're doing lots of cardio or you're really limiting calories, we just can't get that middle part to go. Oftentimes that's related to cortisol and, and insulin. Yeah, cortisol is huge. Uh, I actually did an interview with Evan Brand, and we talked all oh, about awesome. uh, stress and all the because it's not just the regular stress that people think about. There is so much more when that can uh, make this cortisol higher. It's mm-hmm. crazy. But yeah. Uh, so so what else besides cortisol? Uh, we should be paying attention. You said estrogen and testosterone as well, right? Yeah. So cortisol. One of the things that cortisol does is it can actually dampen the effects of other hormones. So if your body's in this sort of fight or flight state, and I'm sure you guys talked about this a lot on that show, so I won't do it too much, but it pulls your body's um, attention into that stress hormone pathway because here's the thing. When you're stressed, your body doesn't care about having sex or procreating. It just cares about surviving and and fleeing from that tiger that it's always being attacked by. And maybe that's your boss that you hate, or maybe that's traffic every single day, or maybe it's sleep deprivation, whatever that tiger is for you. Um, so that's going to pull from your sex hormone. So that'll pull from things like your progesterone. Progesterone is an amazing hormone that is pro fertility. So it's essential for getting pregnant and staying pregnant. Um, progesterone also is very calming to the nervous system and it also helps with sleep. So that's one that, you know, if you have that high cortisol, you don't make enough of that progesterone. Another thing that can happen too, when, when you have that, you know, excess cortisol thing going on is it also affects your thyroid negatively. So the thyroid, that, this is the hormone that I really dealt with issues back, back in the day when I was that Kaiser patient. I had a thyroid yes. condition and it wasn't diagnosed for a long, long time. And that's why I was so depressed. I was overweight. I barely had you know, any periods. And that was all to, to the thyroid. 
So the thyroid is a butterfly-shaped gland. It's right on the front of your neck where the Adam's apple would be. And it controls pretty much everything. So it makes hormones that help with your metabolism. So they help you to burn fat. It helps to balance out your um, body temperature. So if you tend to run cold, like you have cold hands or cold feet, um, that oftentimes can be a thyroid issue. It helps to keep your skin nice and moisturized. It helps to move your bowels along. So if you tend to be a bit more constipated, that can be a thyroid issue. And also it really helps with um, helping to burn fat. So, you know, if you have issues in all those areas, it could be a potential thyroid issue. And, and a lot of times, you know, most of the time in my practice, I see that, that a, a thyroid problem is usually due to the adrenal glands. And so just having yeah. you go on a thyroid medication, it's, it's like a Band-Aid approach. You know, even if it's a natural thyroid hormone, it's probably not getting to the root of the problem. Yeah, so, exactly. I've, yeah. Been, I've been doing a lot of research about the thyroids because a lot of clients are coming with problems related to thyroid, like you just said. And there is a huge connection between the adrenal and the thyroid mm -hmm. glands. It's crazy. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's okay. I was just going to, um, the, the third hormone I was going to mention is, is estrogen. So estrogen is, is essential, obviously, to a woman's body and men have estrogen too as well. But when there's an imbalance in estrogen, that's where problems can arise. So in the situation I mentioned earlier, when you have this high cortisol state, that can deplete your body's progesterone. And oftentimes what you're left with is this state of estrogen dominance where you have too much estrogen or you have not enough estrogen in relation to progesterone. So progesterone and estrogen need to be on a good balance, like a teeter-totter. You want them to have you know, good, healthy balance with each other. And that prevents things like different um, reproductive cancers down the line. So it's good to have both of them in healthy balance. But if you're in this state where you have this high estrogen and low progesterone, you're more likely to get certain types of cancers. And also, you know, symptom-wise, it could look like difficult periods. So if you maybe get breast tenderness or really bad cramps or maybe heavy periods, um, or maybe you get spotting throughout the month, obviously not for you, Bruno, but for some of the female <laughs> listeners who are listening, right. um, that right. can be a state of, of estrogen dominance. And there's a lot of things that can create that type of situation. Um, but it's really a very common issue um, that women are dealing with. And unfortunately, when, when you know, women are dealing with this and they go to their doctor and mention some of their symptoms, usually the main treatment is to go on birth control pills. And that can mm. actually make that problem a lot worse for them in the long run. Yeah, that's so, that's so common nowadays. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, what's up, guys? Brenda Gama here, Brazilian Health Nut. And let's take a little break from the show because I want to offer you something very, very special, okay? So if you go to BrazilianHealthNut.com and scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, you find a place that you can claim your free strategy call with me. Or you can just send me an email at bruno at BrazilianHealthNut.com and tell me that you want to schedule your free call, okay? During this call, we are going to develop a strategy that works for your kind of body and lifestyle because remember that we are all different. So go ahead and do that now because spots are limited, okay? So now let's get back to the show. Crazy. Yeah. So, so people are listening right now to Dr. Lauren here and she's talking all about these hormones things and, <laughs> and they might be wondering, oh, maybe I have some problems with my hormones. Yeah. How... How should people go about finding out if they have they are having some hormone imbalance in their lives? Can they should they look into lab testing? Can they find out that by themselves? So just by looking at the symptoms, how would you go about uh, recommending something here for the listeners? Sure. Yeah. So so for for some of the ladies listening, and I'll and I'll speak to the men in, in just a sec. So for some of those symptoms you want to tune into is number one: Are you having difficult periods? Do you have cramps? Do you have um, you know, a lot of irritability before your cycles or breast tenderness, or maybe a lot of water retention. 
Uh, or maybe your sleep isn't so great. Maybe you have a hard time falling asleep, or maybe throughout the night you tend to wake up. If you tend to be a night owl, that think that can be a clue that that hormone cortisol that we talked about earlier may be a bit out of balance. So normally your cortisol should be high in the morning. So you pop up out of bed, your eyes open up, you're ready to go, and you're awake in the morning. And then it should gradually drop throughout the day, and it should be low at night so you can fall asleep and feel rested um, you know, and have good restful sleep. So, but for a lot of us, it's the opposite where, you know, the morning comes and you're dragging, you're pressing the snooze button. It's hard to get up. You might not feel like a human being until you grab some coffee and then you get that spike of cortisol. It's sort of like, you know, you're forcing your body to get that, um, that spike of cortisol you're supposed to have in the morning. Um, and then mm-hmm. if by the end of the day, you're, you're feeling like a night owl, maybe you get that second wind at night. Those are some clues that your hormones are, are, are off and need to be, need to be addressed. Also, symptoms could be um, maybe you have skin issues like acne or maybe, you know, things like psoriasis or eczema. Those could be clues as well. Um, And then maybe, you know, for the women kind of going through perimenopause or menopausal time, if you're having hot flashes or night sweats or maybe mood wise, you feel more depressed or anxious than you used to. Oftentimes, um, depression for women who are kind of uh, approaching menopause, it's very common that women will go to their doctor and get put on an antidepressant. And a lot of times the root of that is actually hormone imbalances and not because of the neurotransmitters that are off. So, and how this works is, um, I know I'm kind of detouring a little bit, but I think it's important to say that um, estrogen, that's the the hormone we were talking about earlier, that um, estrogen is a very important hormone and it does a lot of really important things. Um, And so when you're going through menopause or perimenopause, that hormone starts to go down One of the things that estrogen does is it helps to activate your serotonin receptors. That's your happy brain chemical. So it can give you this sense of happiness. Um, So when that starts to go down, oftentimes depression or, you know, mood issues can show up. And so the answer for that is not to go on an antidepressant. It's about getting your hormones balanced. And there's things, you know, we can talk about that later of of what you can do to address. So if you notice that mood wise things aren't where they used to be, then that would be another clue as well. Also, too, if you find that your metabolism is not what it used to be, if it's harder to, to lose weight or, you know, maybe you've been eating the same way and you're finding that it's, it's becoming harder for you to, to lose weight, that would be something to tune into. And then for the men, maybe you're finding that you don't bounce back from your workouts as well. Or maybe motivation-wise, you're just kind of blah. You don't really feel like doing much. Um, your energy isn't what it used to be or your sleep isn't, isn't what it used to be. So um, also for men, too, if you find that, you know, if you do get like that kind of tire around the midsection, or even if you're getting some some growth in the breast, that could be a clue of too much estrogen for a man. Lack of sex drive is a big Huge. answer for men nowadays. Yeah, right? lack of sex drive. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting. I've actually seen um, for men, because I do a lot of hormone testing for men as well, I don't always find that lack of sex drive happens with, um, mm. you know, sometimes uh, I'll test a man's testosterone and it's low and he has a great sex drive. So, and then other times their testosterone is great and they have a low sex drive. So it's not always there, but, but testosterone does play a big role into that. But beyond just, you know, the ability to have an erection or have great sex, testosterone does a lot, you know, it helps with your mood and with your, um, motivation drive, and like, your energy. Yeah, motivation, and, like going yeah. after like, your, your vision in your life, you need to have a testosterone in check, right? Right, exactly. And also your ability to put on lean muscle mass. Like if you feel like you do some workouts, you're just not getting the kind of definition that you want, or maybe you have a hard time recovering after a workout, you get more sore, you know, that could be a clue as well. Um, so those are some clues of symptoms. And when it comes to testing, there's lots of ways to test your hormones. 
Um, it's really common that doctors will say to their patients, uh, you know, don't, we don't need to test your hormones. It's not important. I've had a lot of women come and see me and say, you know, I, went, I asked my doctor to do a hormone test and they say, it's, it's, there's no point. It's too early to do that. I think it's great to get your hormones tested young, even when you're in your teenage years or in your twenties, if you can check that it's, it's great to see what your baseline looks like. You know, everybody's like base is, is different. So, um, I don't think there's ever a time that's too early to test your hormones. I mean, maybe if you're, you know, like 10 years old or something, maybe Mm -hmm. unless there's issues, but I think it's, it's fine to test it early and see where it's at. So, um, I test hormones in the blood. You can also be tested in the saliva and actually lately my favorite way to test hormones is in the urine. So, and the, one of the cool ways about one of the cool reasons for testing uh, hormones in the urine is you get a lot of information, not only about the levels of your hormones, but how your body breaks it all down. You know, like there's different types of estrogens, for example, and, and you can, you can get a total number of estrogen for someone, but you don't really know if it's a good type of estrogen or if they're breaking it down, down into bad types of estrogen. So that urine test is really viable to see how, yeah. especially if there's a history of like reproductive cancers, like uterine or ovarian or breast cancer. Um, it's really valuable to get that physiology to see how it's all being broken down. So do, do you have like your favorite ones that you think like people should, okay, if I just get some, the main ones, what yeah. they should be looking for in terms of the test? Yeah. So the company I've been working with recently is called Precision Labs. Um, and their test is called uh, the Dutch test. You can actually go on their website, yep. Precision. I think it's precisionlabs.com or you can Google Precision Labs. Um, and you should be able to even order it on your own um, on their yep. website. And I do think it's helpful to work with a practitioner. So, you know, there's probably a list of doctors on there. I, I do the testing all, all the time for local patients in San Diego and also patients out of state. So it's something we can look at doing that. And, you know, it's, uh, it's really valuable. One of the really cool things about that test, too, is it measures um, not only your cortisol, but your cortisone. So it's sort of like your free testosterone or free cortisol and also bound um, cortisol. So that gives more information than just doing a, a saliva cortisol test. Um, and then also it measures your methylation. So I don't know if you've done a show on methylation, but methylation is um, a process in the body that's a very key uh, process of detox. And if, if you're not methylating properly, you're not going to be um, detoxing your hormones well. And that can raise risk of certain um, diseases down the line. So, so that's uh, really valuable to get that as a doctor too. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, so now people know they have the, the symptoms. They might be, oh, yeah, that's me. That's, I have this, I have that. Mm. Or they, they might even do some tests and, and find out what's going on, right? And now let's get into the real talk here. <laughs> Where should people start doing to improve their hormones, like in practical terms? Where, yes. What, what's the first step? Like? Love it. This is the empowering part of our conversation. You know, right. hopefully I didn't scare you guys too much, but uh, <laughs> there are so many things you can do to help to balance out your hormones. And and a lot of times it starts out with actually doing less. <laughs> so doing less, taking time to just relax and just take a break. And, um, you know, number one is sleep by far. I know it doesn't sound as sexy or as fancy, or maybe you want to hear about what's the herb to do this or the you know supplement <laughs> to do that. But here's the thing is that no supplement and no herb is going to do nearly as much as you getting really good sleep. Hands down, that is the most powerful thing you can do for your hormones. And it's so common, right, that, that women will say, I have no sex drive, but when I go on vacation, I have all this, this you know, this uh, mojo. And it's because they're resting. They're getting good sleep. They're feeling rested. And so then their, their cortisol is more relaxed and then their, their sex hormones are more abundant. So sleep is really, really key. Um, so And then the, the most powerful uh, 
little chunk of time for your sleep is between 10 and two o'clock. So if you can get to sleep before 10 o'clock, you're going to get the most um, power out of your sleep. And the main hormone that's released during that time is growth hormone. Growth hormone is incredibly anti-cancer. It's restorative. It's your main anti-aging hormone. So growth hormone goes goes down over eight, over um, over time as you age. So sleep is really as is the mo- the most anti-aging thing you can do. Yeah. Just real quick here for for the listeners, if you guys want to know uh, much more about sleep, I actually had uh, Dan Party on the show. I think it's episode ten or eleven. Awesome. And we we talked like for forty five minutes with an hour just about the importance of sleep, how to to improve your sleep, and everything that Lauren's talking about here to, uh, today. So great! I love Dan Party. Yeah. I had him on my podcast. Yeah, he's so too. smart. So smart. Oh <laughs> Damn! I was like, if I can be fifty percent as smart as this guy, I'm so happy. Yeah, I know. I know. He's <laughs> so smart. So smart, like brain candy. Everything he says. Um, yeah. So number one is sleep by far. Number two is get your body moving. We're designed to move. We're designed to, to, you know, to exercise and it doesn't need to be the kind of fitness where you're pumping iron and you're, you know, burning all kinds of calories. Because again, if you're, if you're starting this, this, the state of, of being in this sleep deprivation or being really stressed out, that can actually add more stress to it. But you want to start and just move your body. My favorite way to exercise right now is just walking. Because I'm getting out of a real stressful kind of state with you know, yep. running my business and all of that. So the two things I've been focusing on the most is sleep and walking. And I swear, yeah, it has too. been so incredibly therapeutic. You said for you no, too. Yeah, for me too. Like, sleep is so important. If I don't sleep well, my day doesn't work. And walking, that's my favorite exercise nowadays too. I, I still lift some weights once, twice a week. Mm-hmm. I, pl- I still play my, my tennis or soccer, uh, but I love walking. Walking, it's pretty much like an everyday routine for me. Yes. It's just so important. Plus, you can get to, to get some fresh air, which mm-hmm. not many people are getting. Plus, you get to get some sun, which a lot of people are not getting. And you can even like listen to something. I, I go for long walks, like one hour walk, and I just listen to my favorite uh, books. So I'm still learning and getting some... Um, Good stuff for my health as well. Yeah. What what book are you reading right now? I'm just curious. Uh, I've I've been really listening to a lot of Caroline Miss oh, and wow. Dr. Wayne Dyer. Oh. I mean, seriously, those two are like, oh my God, I'm just like addicted to them. And they have so many ones that I, I think I just listened to half of them so far. But so I'm great. Gonna, I love yeah, it. Yeah, great. I'm I'm big on that too. I'll listen to podcasts on my walk. I been listening to um, a podcast recently called Happier with Gretchen Rubin. Mm. So I've just started listening oh, yeah. to hers. And then um, I, I read love, her book. Oh, did you? I haven't read yeah, it. it was good. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I saw some good uh, reviews. And then also Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. I love his Oh, yeah. So I listen to that Sean, too. Yeah, Sean, Sean is great. Yeah. I have to have him on the podcast. Yeah. I actually contacted him, uh, but he was busy with his, the launch of his uh, book. Uh, so oh, cool. I hope, I'm sure he'll be on soon. Yeah, and he's a big proponent for, for sleep as well. He, he really opened my eyes a lot to sleep. And it's like, I went to medical school. I know this stuff, you know, but it's just getting that reminder and putting those little habits in place and all this comes down to habits you know because the reality is is creating a new habit is very challenging but once you get it in that autopilot it's just like adding one more thing to your routine and it's just so powerful so so yeah so number one is sleep number two is move your body whatever it is that you love if you hate a certain type of exercise don't do it now if you're that person who says i hate all 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 exercise that's not going to cut it. You get to find something that you like to do because your body is... Yeah, you haven't, you haven't tried enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you haven't tried enough. You know, I've actually prescribed belly dancing or pole dancing to patients before. I'm like, you need to get out of that little box, you know, move your body, yeah. get in touch with your sexy side. And that's mm-hmm. great for hormones too. Another mm-hmm. really great thing for your hormones is to hug people. 
after 20 mm, seconds, oxytocin. oxytocin, after 20 seconds of hugging someone. And that's, that's that where you kind of get past that little awkward point, you know, it's like, you kind of want to <laughs> let go at that point, but if you push through that, you get this release of oxytocin and that is your happy bonding hormone. And we're just designed to, we're, we're tribal creatures. We're designed to be connected to each other, you know? So I just encourage you guys to, to hug, hug someone every day, hug one person every day for at least 20 seconds. And I'm sure I'm, I promise your life will be so much better. Yeah. yeah, here in New York, they have like a, a lot of parks in New York City, right? Mm -hmm. And they, I, I often see like a free hugs, like people with a, like a, some signs of free hugs all the time. I it's love great. that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that today. So give some somebody a hug for 20 seconds. Me That's too. my my promise for the day. Okay. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> we talk a lot about um, so exercise, you know, just um, find something that you love to do, doing the, those things, stress and sleep. What about diets like nutrition now what's the best strategy to go about do you have like favorite foods or uh, some favorite even like supplements in mm -hmm. terms of the diets yeah yeah so so a couple of things one one is removing the foods that create inflammation because as i mentioned earlier cortisol is anti-inflammatory and your body's going to make more cortisol if you have more inflammation within your body so reducing inflammation is huge for bringing down that cortisol which helps to bring down the belly fat the inflammation in your body so um, removing foods like gluten, if you want to take it a step further and go grain-free for a period of time, that can be great for removing inflammation, dairy as well, uh, corn, soy, and sugar. So those are the five most inflammatory. And when I say sugar, that includes alcohol as well. So I don't think it has to be super extreme necessarily, but if, if any of you guys listening are dealing with some of these issues, you can do that for a period of time, maybe like 30 days, cutting out those five foods, including alcohol, and you'll probably find that a lot of those symptoms will start to subside. So removing the inflammatory foods is key. Number two is adding in anti-inflammatory foods. So things like uh, good fatty fish, so salmon, wild salmon, um, you can do foods like uh, sardines or anchovies, maybe not the favorite for most people, but those are loaded with good fats and also um, calcium because they tend to have- That's my favorite. Awesome. I love them too. <laughs> sardines is like my favorite. They were a little sardines. bit of, a, of an acquired oh, taste, but so good. Um, yeah. I love oysters. Oysters are loaded with zinc. Zinc is very oh, yeah. supportive for testosterone, for your thyroid. They help to boost libido. Um, and then also lots of the dark leafy greens and green vegetables. Those are low, loaded with phytochemicals and antioxidants. Um, we hear about the whole methylation issue with, you know, methylfolate, and that's kind of a whole nother topic. But if you're eating lots of dark leafy greens, you're getting the active form of these nutrients, especially the folate. So you don't have to do as much supplementation if you're getting all of those nutrients in. So the, the um, it's, it's recommended to get at least six servings of veggies a day, but eight to 10 if you really want to be like a a rock star to help balance your hormones, that's, that's what it takes. And, and focusing more on the veggies and not as much on the fruit. But, you know, fruit mm -hmm. is great because it does have the fiber in it. Berries are wonderful. You get all those great anthocyanins. Those are the dark pigments in there that are so important for your small blood vessels, for your eyes. Um, they're, you know, very strong antioxidants. And so that's really a, a very nutrient-rich diet that's including all the colors of the rainbow. Just quick here, a uh, quick tip here, guys. If you guys go to Brazil, make sure you guys go to my hometown, Florianópolis. We have the best oysters. We produce like 80-something percent of the whole oysters production for Brazil, and it's amazing and very cheap. Dang. Just, just saying. <laughs> um, so actually, this something comes to my mind right now. Uh, I was in Brazil, and a lot of people are doing uh, hormone replacement 
<clears throat> sorry, yeah. uh, therapy uh, down in Brazil right now. Mm. And so that's something uh, I know we don't have much time here left. You have to see your clients. <laughs> and But I want to touch this a little bit about hormonal replacement therapy and also bioidentical hormonal replacement therapy. Like um, what's your take on those two things? Absolutely. There's, they're, they're night and day. They're very different from each other. It's like comparing apples and oranges from either bioidentical versus just regular hormone replacement therapy. So what bioidentical means is that if you were to look at estrogen that's bioidentical under a microscope and look at your own body's estrogen, it's literally the exact same molecule. It's the same exact thing. If you were to compare your body's estrogen with a synthetic estrogen, it's, it's a very different molecule. So your body has to figure out what to do to process that. And oftentimes it creates very harmful metabolites or breakdown products. So I don't recommend to do hormone replacement therapy at all if it's not bioidentical. Now, with that said, if you're doing bioidentical hormones and having it done in a proper way where it's you know, balanced by making sure you're testing it, making sure that the estrogen and progesterone are in a healthy you know, balance with each other, um, and also you know, making sure that you're breaking it down in, in proper ways, it can be very, um, very beneficial and very therapeutic. So I do use bioidenticals in my practice. And uh, you know, and, and there's different schools of thought on how to do that. Some people think you want to have them at a high level that's, you know, similar to a woman who's premenopausal and still having regular periods. Other schools of thought are that you want to do just a little bit just to take away symptoms. So I think it comes down to what someone's goal is and, and also some of their family history and the risks that they, that they are coming into the appointment with. But I think bioidentical hormones are incredibly important and very therapeutic and they can be very anti-aging as well. Um, the urine test I was talking about earlier is so helpful when seeing how someone's breaking down their hormones. Um, and the topic of estrogen in particular, in my opinion, estrogen should never be done orally. I think that's very harmful because the liver has to break it down into weird ways. And so I don't think that's safe. I think estrogen should only be done as a cream. Um, progesterone, in my opinion, can be done orally. It doesn't seem to have the same type of problems. And that can be really useful to help women sleep because oral progesterone can help to activate the GABA receptors, which help with um, sleep and anxiety. And then testosterone can be a game changer for women, especially, but also for men too. So I would say the short answer is I love bioidentical hormones. They need to be done really properly and safely. And, and whenever doing them, it's important to work with a doctor that you know, is making sure they're doing the breast exams and, and pelvic exams and that they're testing the levels, at least when you're getting started every three to six months until you get to that really good level. And then, you know, every year, I think it's important to, to retest that. Regarding bioidentical hormones, is there any pe people, like person that you see uh, should not having that, like not uh, any restriction? Or, and also, is it like a forever kind of treatment or it's more like a support? And as they, as they address their whole lifestyle, we just talk about the diets, the sleep and everything else, they can get out of those uh, hormones as well. It's a really good question. It comes down to the person and their preference. Um, I think that it can be safe to take bioidentical hormones ongoing. If, if it's at a, again, it's a healthy level, you're testing it, making sure everything is, is balanced out. I think it can be a great way to optimize your longevity. It can help preserve brain function and your heart. I mean, you have receptors for your hormones all over your body. Um, so your heart, your bones, your brain, uh, oftentimes for women who, who get osteoporosis, it's because their hormones are becoming depleted. And so it can help to preserve their bone strength. 
So I do think that they can be done long-term as long as they're done in a safe way. I would say going to your question to someone who maybe shouldn't do bioidentical hormones, maybe if a woman has had breast cancer that is um, estrogen or progesterone receptor positive where it grows by those hormones, possibly. There are some doctors who actually do still do hormones for those people but just do it in a very low dose and, and just monitor it really closely because, again, there's so many other effects for those, those hormones beyond just, um, you know, affecting cancer. So um, that's a little bit of one of those judgment calls and depends kind of on the bigger case for the patient, I would say. Mm-hmm. Got you. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Last, last question here, Dr. Lauren. So people are listening right now. A lot of good information. They are motivated. And so if you have just to give like one uh, small advice for to do after listening to this podcast. What that would be? Number one would be to get your sleep. Yeah, mm-hmm. really focus on getting that good restorative we'll sleep. Take sleep yeah, create that sleep sanctuary and just um, as Ariana Huffington said, fall in love with sleep. It's not like this is something as a to do. This is a state where you get to dream. You get to you know unplug from the world and, and deepen the relationship with yourself. And we're in a a state of Um, just so much coming at us. And so it's really essential to take that break, put that phone in the other room, get a regular alarm clock where you can wake up, you know, that's not attached to your phone. And in the mornings, take that time just for yourself, you know, maybe go for a morning walk or do some meditation before you go and look at your phone, because we're just so addicted to to those devices, you know, and so that allows you to deepen the relationship with yourself. And I think all of that is connected to everything we talked about, whether it's your hormones, or just your sense of happiness, your sense of feeling content and, you know, and, and happy in your life. So, um, so yeah, I would say deepen your relationship with sleep and there's some great resources out there. Like I know Ariana Huffington has a great book and, um, Sean Stevenson's book and, um, my podcast, Dr. Low Radio, we do a lot of different episodes on how to balance hormones and optimize all of those things. So that would be the number one thing I would say. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So guys, uh, turn it off this right now and go to sleep, okay? <laughs> go to sleep. Everyone go to sleep right now. <laughs> yes. No more cell, no cell phones, no nothing. Just go uh, take a nap maybe if you're listening in the afternoon uh, and, or go to sleep if you're listening in the evening. All right. So Dr. Lauren, uh, where can people find you and what's uh, next for you now? I know you're working in San Diego. You have uh, clients uh seeing clients all the time, every day, but what else are you working on? Yeah, so I work with patients here in San Diego and all over the country. So if you want to learn more about working with me, you can go over to shinenaturalmedicine.com. That's my clinic, Shine Natural Medicine. I also have my podcast, Dr. Low Radio. So it's a top-rated podcast on iTunes. We've been doing the show for, I think, about six years now. There's many different recorded episodes if you want to learn more and just understand your body on a deeper level. And yeah, that's what I'm working on right now is just loving life and enjoying San Diego, creating more balance in my life, practicing the things that I preach. And yeah, it's a, it's been a lot of fun. Cool. Awesome. I'm going to link to everything that you just said here thank on you. the post, on the website. Uh, thank you so much for being here with me. I learned a lot again from you and I hope to see you soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Go to www.brazilianhealthnut.com for much more information about how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Hasta luego.